Hello again, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Animation Fascination. This is episode 16. I'm Mark Vibber, and with me again, as always, is Matt Quest. Hello! And if you've listened to this before, you know this podcast focuses on everything and anything in the world of animation. Each episode, we feature an animated series or film from the past or present. Whether it's either traditionally hand-drawn, computer-generated, or stop-motion, if it's animated, it is up for discussion with us. Uh, you can check out our website, animationfascination.wordpress.com, or you can find us at movieovermind.com now as well, too. Or you can follow us on Twitter, at Animated Podcast. If you also want to email us, you can email us at animationfascinationpodcast at gmail.com. Or to finish off the the social network, you can like us on Facebook by searching Animation Fascination. So today we have a few things to catch up on from the past few weeks. I'm going to kind of start off with the Oscar winners in the world of animation. The first off being the feature was Ringo that won, and we, you've already heard how much we like that, so I don't really need to go that much into it, but it's good to good to see that the film won a much-deserved Oscar for Best Feature. Yeah, that was my number one pick for 2011 animated movie, and it won, so awesome. Yeah, I've been glad the past few years the animated film that I've liked the most from that year has ended up winning the feature Oscar, so... Yeah, it's pretty cool. Granted, it's usually Pixar, but <laughs> this this year ILM took the prize. Yes, they definitely deserved it. It was definitely, definitely a landmark animated movie. And like we said before, hopefully we'll see more full-length animated films from ILM now that Ringo has done so well and earned so many awards. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, so the short that one was The Fantastic Flying Books of Mr. Morris Lusmore, which it was directed by William Joyce and Brandon Oldenburg, and it was produced by Moonbot Studios, and the film centers around a bibliophile, Morris Lusmore, and his custodianship of a magical library of flying books. The, this was a free download that they had on iTunes a few weeks ago. I ended up downloading it and watched it, and I really liked it a lot. The main character in it is he's kind of modeled after Buster Keaton, which I thought was cool. And they use kind of what we've seen in Wizard of Oz and Pleasantville with use of black and white and color kind of symbolizing different things in the film. Now, you got to see a little bit of it. What did you like about it? I thought it was really cool. Like, all the books and detail in it really fascinated me. Um, I mean, the style is, like, really nice. You see, like, a lot of, you know, short films, and sometimes they're not put together as well, but this was just, like, all around really well put together. Like, a really well, like, rendered, just animated short film. I really liked it. One of the th things that I really liked about it that kind of stood out was one of the books in it has Humpty Dumpty as, like, kind of, like, almost like a secondary <laughs> character that follows the main character around. And they use basically hand-drawn, traditionally hand-drawn animation within the book to kind of symbolize what Humpty's feeling when he's following around the like, main character, which I thought that was kind of cool, a blended hand-drawn with the CG animation. 
Yeah, I like that a lot when uh, people do something like that. It's really neat. Really neat to see. Yeah, it'd be. I would like to see that, like maybe more so, like in maybe like a like a feature. See kind of how that could be done to mix more of the hand drawn and CG animation. Oh yeah. And I mean, not like the kind of CG and an and hand drawn animation we've seen mixed together before, like where you oh, there's a big door in the background that's cg but everything <laughs> else is hand-drawn but maybe like have like a hand-drawn character and a cg character like interacting the entire film that might be a cool idea yeah that'd be pretty neat isn't it like um that pixar short where they had uh the night and day right yeah night and day oh yeah that that's kind of like that where night and, and day were that were the hand-drawn animation but then in them in their bodies was the CG animations. Yeah, that was really cool. More stuff like that would be cool to see. Yes, I agree. But those are our animated Oscar winners, and that's our news section for this week. So without further ado, we're going to get into our main topic, which I will let Matt lead us off on. <laughs> and our main topic is Hayao Miyazaki. It is, we're doing uh, the films of Miyazaki, um, just to start it off, uh, Miyazaki, uh, the creation process and animation style is very unique. Um, Princess Monoki, one of Miyazaki's films, uh, was the first film to use computer graphics. Um, also, Miyazaki, he likes to take uh, a leading role when creating his films, and he frequent, frequently <laughs> he serves freaking... as both... Yes. He freaking Freakin serves as both writing and director. Freaking is the director and the writer for uh, his films. Um, he personally reviews, you know, all, each and every one of his frames used in his early films uh, due to health concerns over the high workload. Now he delegates some of the work out to uh, other Ghibli members. Um, <clears throat> he uses very human-like movements in his animation, which is, I like, that's why I like his uh, animation, his movies a lot, because they do have a lot of very human-like movements, and in my style of animation, when I actually uh, do animation, which is kind of rare these days, but I do like, uh, you know, very human-like uh, movements. Um, <clears throat> in, con in a contrast to his American animation, uh, the scripts and storyboards are created together. And the animation begins before the story is finished and the storyboards are developing. Um, Miyazaki uses traditional animation throughout all of his animation process. Through his computer-generated imagery, um, was employed starting with uh, Princess uh, Monoki to give it, uh, quote-unquote, uh, a little boost of elegance. Um, in a, actually, in an interview he did with Financial Times, Miyazaki said, it's very important for me to retain the right ratio between working by hand and computer. I have learned the balance now, how to use both, and still be able to call my films 2D. Um, digital paint was also used in one of his films, Princess Monarchy, for the first times in order to meet uh, and release deadlines. Um, <clears throat> some other fascinating facts about Miyazaki is... Uh, in his 2008 film, Ponyo, 
he went back to uh, traditional hand-drawn animation for everything, which is awesome. I think, in my mind, a 2D animated film should be done by hand. I don't really like 2D films that are done like on the computer anymore because it feels like you're cheating almost. <laughs> um, but he, yeah, he goes back to his hand-drawn animation for everything, and he says that uh, hand drawing on paper is the fundamental fundamental of animation which i totally agree with and i think that people trying to learn animation should start by hand-drawn animation because a lot of people these days they you know they go right into like the 3d animation and stuff like that i think you really need to get a handle on uh your your just the basics and just do hand-drawn animation um kind of what you were saying a second ago with uh with how some 2D, yeah, 2D animation is done in the computer, and it's, it's kind of cheating. Yeah. But that's actually what they do for South Park every weekend is how they, most of the times they keep the show, I guess, so yeah. current, is that since the show is kind of done to look almost like it's made of construction paper like it used to be, <laughs> yep. they can they can make a show in basically like two days to animate it and everything. Oh yeah, because I mean, when you get in, when we get into the 3D animation, there's uh, things called character sets, and you can actually save like animation, like a walk cycle or something like that, and you can reuse them on the computer. Yeah. So like, if you're doing a new episode of South Park, you say if you need like a walk cycle, you already have it, and you're done. So the yeah. process goes like super fast. It's um, kind of, yeah, like I remember one episode that they did was right around the time of the election between Obama and yeah. John McCain. And they yep. had they had like two different versions of the show ready just in case whoever won and they were able to like switch it pretty much within a couple of hours and change the entire plot of that episode. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Those guys work really hard over there. Yeah. It's good to see them succeeding and getting uh actually Trey Parker almost has an EGOT, which he has an Emmy a a Grammy. He doesn't have an Oscar, and he has a Tony, so he just needs the Oscar to get it, get the EGOT. <laughs> be pretty sweet. All right, back to our topic, Miyazaki. Yeah. All right, so um, <clears throat> the Miyazaki films we're going to go over right now are uh, the first one, um, Castle in the Sky. This was made in 1986, which actually was the year I was born. Me too. So Miyazaki's been making films for a long time. Yeah, so Castle in the Sky was when we were born. I did, um, I saw Castle in the Sky a while ago, and like I said um, before, like I really like his uh, animation style, and all of Miyazaki's films have a really, you know, in-depth storylines with all of them. So Castle in the Sky was a very good film. Um, the next one I want to talk about is My Neighbor Totoro. Have you seen that? You haven't seen that one, right, Mark? No, I haven't seen that. I, I mean, I, I do know the character of that. I think that that and Kiki's Delivery Service are probably the two of the more well-known ones, people that might not have seen any of the other films. Yeah, I, I haven't seen Kiki's Delivery Service, but My Neighbor Totoro is a very good movie. Uh, actually, it was it Toy Story um, 3. three. Yeah, Totoro has a cameo <laughs> for uh, Totoro. I think that's cool. It's like a little homage to Miyazaki having his... Uh, 
one of his characters in the Toy Story films. That's pretty cool to me. Definitely. <clears throat> um, but yeah, I, I suggest uh, if you haven't seen My Neighbor Totoro, go out and see it because it's uh, it's really it's a really cool movie. I like it a lot. Um, Kiki's Delivery Service, like I said, I haven't seen that one. I, I'm assuming it's awesome. I'll probably have to go watch it right after this. With that, and like with with most of these, when they when they come to the U.S. after airing over in uh, in Asia for the first time, um, they're redubbed with like high caliber actors over here. So like I know in Kiki's Delivery Service, at least. Uh, Princess, yeah, Princess Stewart, Patrick Stewart. <laughs> I was looking at Princess Minoki. <laughs> Patrick Stewart and uh, Kirsten Dunst do voices in that, and then like in some of the other ones that we'll be talking about, you have uh, Jason Morrison did a voice in Howl's Movie Castle. Uh, Ponyo, Liam Neeson. Spirited Away. He did the voice of. Oh yeah, sp- Spirited, Spirited Way, not yeah, Spirited Away. Uh, <laughs> Ponyo, yeah, Liam Neeson, uh, Tina Fey, uh, and a, f- a few others. Oh, Betty White did a voice in that. And then Arietti this past year, you had uh, Will Arnett, uh, Amy Poehler, uh, and David Henry in that one. So it's pretty cool to be watching these and not knowing this. Maybe some of these people are doing voices, and all of a sudden you hear them like, oh, that's pretty cool. And then Howl's Movie Castle, I believe Christian Bale did a voice on that one, too. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, um... Yeah, uh, the next one, uh, Princess Monarchy, that he made... If if you have younger children, I suggest you you wait to so they're a little older to watch this one. That one's a little, it's a little uh, adult content in there. I mean, it's not like crazy. PG thirteen. Um, yeah, I would say PG thirteen for sure. It's just it's a little more adult content. There's like this the spirit of this uh the sky in there, and it's it's a little gruesome. There's some gruesome parts. <laughs> so I, I would warn parents against that one in particular but the rest spirit away is really cool um jason marsden yeah he was the voice of sen and that we've interviewed him a couple times and uh asked him about that so you should all check that out if you haven't uh, listened to that podcast yet um that's definitely a favorite of mine but my my all my all-time favorite miyazaki film is howl's moving castle that i've probably seen that movie <laughs> Oh, good, like two dozen, maybe three dozen times. Who knows? <laughs> but uh, it was actually in Howl's Moving Castle was uh, the inspiration for, it was partly the inspiration for my senior thesis in college. Nice. Do you you remember seeing that? <clears throat> uh, I Well, I haven't seen the movie, so I don't know what would have been. Oh, yeah, yeah. But uh, it's, you know, Howl's Moving Castle, it's, it's like a giant, his, uh, Howl, who's like the cat, uh, the main character in there, his castle is like this giant moving, like living, breathing thing. And uh, it, it's really, it's pretty neat to watch. Um, it's a really in-depth storyline. And the music, I got to say the music for Howl's Moving Castle is also amazing. And like, you know, the rest of all of Miyazaki films, he has really, you know, good uh, uh, composers. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I actually listened to Howl's Moving Castle, the soundtrack at work while I'm working on it. <laughs> It's that good. I think um, this is actually the only one of the films that we're going to be talking about that's accessible on Netflix Instant Watch. So if, if you have Instant Watch, at least check out this one too. Yes, go watch Howl's Moving Castle. It is really awesome. <clears throat> All right, and the next one... Um, I've actually Ponyo. seen. <laughs> yeah, Ponyo. 
came yeah. out in 2008. So what did you think about it, Mark? Uh, this was the first Miyazaki film I had, I watched or have ever actually seen. So watching this one first, I liked it. I liked the different kind of animation for it. Because I'm not usually into watching anime-style type films. Yeah. So when I watched that and it actually hooked me into it, I liked that of it. And it's kind of, it's also done like almost like in a watercolor style. Or yeah, that's it feels, cool. feels like you're watching like an animated painting almost. <laughs> and I saw, I remember reading somewhere this is an adaptation of The Little Mermaid. So it's kind of like a different retelling of that same story that we've seen Disney do a different way before. And I liked the way they did it in this too, kind of the the progress that you see these two different characters make throughout the movie. Yeah, it's it's a little trippy. I mean, I'm not gonna yeah. lie. It's it's you know, <clears throat> it's pretty good. Um, I actually heard, I can't remember where I heard this, but I heard uh, when Miyazaki wrote Ponyo, it was actually uh, about his son. And I guess he works so much, he doesn't get to see his son a lot. Awesome. And this is, film was like his way of saying, hey, you know, I love you. And so that's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because in in the film, the, the little boy's father, uh, who Matt Damon does the voice of, is like a works on a boat. So he doesn't see him that often. Yep. So, yeah, so I guess, yeah, that could be the correlation right there. Nice. Yep. And then the... <clears throat> The last one here is The Secret World of Ariadne, which was actually um, produced by Miyazaki and directed by Hiroshima... Let me see if I can get this last name right. Yonobeshi. <laughs> I think that was close enough. Yeah, and this is the, the most recent one. I got to go see this in theaters the, this past week with my wife and son. We all enjoyed it and thought it was a pretty good film. It's... Awesome. If you've seen uh, the live-action film *The Borrowers*, it's kind of the same kind of kind of characters from that, like the same beings. But... I kept getting that and this film mixed up because I haven't seen either of them, and I I thought that those two were like the same movie at one point. Yeah, but I actually enjoyed this a lot more than from what I remember of seeing the, those live-action films of *The Borrowers* when I was mm-hmm. younger. I I liked how the relationship that they had between the main. Uh, younger borrower in this. I don't know why her name. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I was going to say her name is escaping me. Her name is in the title of the film. Uh, Ariadne, yeah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but her and the the little boy in the film who has a complication with his heart meet each other and they become friends. And I just really enjoyed the way the story was put together again in this film. Same way that it wasn't Ponyo and whatnot. Where it works both for like an adult to watch it and have a good time. And... Yeah, I like that. When you can enjoy, you know, an animated film and then, you know, your you know, kids can too. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the reasons I like Pixar movies so much is because mm. I feel like I'm enjoying it just as much as my son is enjoying it. Yeah, and have you seen Arthur Christmas yet? I have not seen it. <laughs> you need to see Arthur. I'm telling you, it's it's like good for the older audience and younger audience. There's some awesome, you know, like puns here and there, and some good stuff. So it is at and, a at a second round movie theater right now near me. So I, I might try to see it, but if not, I'll probably have to wait until next Christmas when it comes out on yeah. Blu-ray. Well, and it, it's definitely worth looking into. I'll tell you that. 
<clears throat> I do want to see it though. <laughs> but yeah, that's our discussion about Miyazaki. So, you have anything else you'd like to say about Miyazaki before we move on to the the next thing? Totally awesome, Miyazaki rocks. <laughs> there you go. And there, I don't remember which Pixar Blu-ray it is, but there's a special feature on one of Blu-rays showing Pixar Zoetrope that they made. Oh yeah. Which was inspired by the Miyazaki Zoetrope at Studio Ghibli. So. If you can find what feature I'm talking about, it's pretty cool to watch that. And you have Jen Lasseter talking about how much he he likes all Hayao Miyazaki's films and how they've inspired him on different films that he's done for Pixar. So it's an interesting little feature you sh- should watch if you can find it. But f- from Miyazaki, we're going to be moving in to Shrek and its series of films, and then its spinoff, Puss in Boots. So. Back in 2001, he had the the first Shrek film. I remember when I went to go see this, I don't I didn't have any idea what it was what it was about or anything <laughs> like that. Yeah. And I thought I probably wouldn't like it, and but then I watched it and I ended up liking it a lot. And then I still quote lines from that first film today, like the the things with Donkey saying and that, like talk about parfait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Eddie Murphy is just perfect for the Donkey. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, these are pretty much the only good films Eddie Murphy has done in the past 15 years or so. I would agree. I would totally agree. I mean, besides The Nutty Professor, that's, you know, hilarious, but yeah. this is pretty good. But I think The Nutty Professor is even, like, around 2000 or 2001, so... Oh, yeah? Yeah. So... Oh, and then originally, uh, the cast was Chris Farley to be the, the voice of Shrek, and then, of course, he passed away... So Mike Myers came in and took on the role of Shrek. Although I always wonder, like, what would have happened had Chris Farley not passed away? How would have the Shrek series turned out? How would have the character of Shrek be different than he is from being voiced by Mike Myers? It's an interesting... It could have been a flop. I mean, it could have gone nowhere, and, you know, they would have never made the big franchise that they have today. So... <clears throat> or there, or there'd be twenty films by now. Or yeah, or there'd be, <laughs> who knows how many films. Definitely. So yeah, I liked the first one a lot, and then the second one came out in two thousand four, which I, I, that one's actually still my favorite out of them. Where Shrek and Fiona travel too far away, far far away, and far you meet uh, Prince Charming and the Fairy Godmother, and you have Shrek turning into a. A human into that as well, with the happily ever after dust, and uh, donkey turns into the stallion. <clears throat> what did What did you like about the first two Shrek films? Before we get into the third and fourth ones, for me, I mean, they're all kind of combined in my head. So, I mean, <laughs> you see the first Shrek film, and then the, after they start making it, it's just like a continuation. I can't really remember, you know, which movies. You know, wait, is this one or is it? You know, like. They get muddled after, I think, the original one for me. Yeah. Uh, Shrek the Third came out in 2007, and which is probably the worst of the four <laughs> films. But in, th- in that one, uh, Princess Fiona's... Uh, spoiler, Princess Fiona's father dies or croaks because he's a frog. <laughs> so 
the the king would become Shrek would become the king, but he doesn't want to be the king. So they have to go find King Arthur or Artie, which is Fiona's cousin, which was voiced by Justin Timberlake. And then Merlin is also in this film, voiced by Eric Idle. And you have Prince Charming trying to be the bad guy and getting all the villains together to kind of take over Far, Far Away. And while Shrek is out trying to get Artie, you have Fiona back in Far, Far Away with like Rapunzel, Snow White, and Cinderella, which are voiced by Sherry O'Terry, Amy Sedaris, or yeah, is it Amy Sedaris? Yeah, Amy Sedaris and Amy Poehler, who are all fighting against Prince Charming and whatnot, trying to take him down. And then this also, by the end of the film, he introduced Shrek's kids. So. Oh boy, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the third one wasn't that great, and then the fourth one kind of made up for a little bit. Uh, you had the the fourth one. It's kind of almost it's a Wonderful Life with Shrek. Yeah, that's. What was it? Rumpelstiltskin. Yeah, Rumpelstiltskin becomes the villain in this one, and they have a flashback where you kind of see. That he set up a bargain or a deal with Fiona's parents way back before Shrek ever met Fiona and she was a kid and everything. And that since Shrek eventually did find Fiona and the first three films happened, you have Rumpelstiltskin basically pretty mad that all that happened. And he sets up a deal with Shrek so that Shrek has never met Fiona and none of those previous films have happened so it basically makes Shrek appreciate the things that have happened and whatnot. but what I didn't like about the film is that the only pers- only character that gets an arc that way is Shrek and all the other characters we've liked from the other films they have that alternate reality from that we've already established for them and yeah, then this new one that's set up so by the end when he goes back to the, the original home reality and whatnot like what does it really matter for anybody else in the film other than him yeah so. <clears throat> i do remember when i saw shrek um forever after i think i saw it with uh, my co-workers it was uh the one thing i like focused in on was it was really like well done you know like texture wise lighting yeah. that's always like they really perfected their style like completely i think in that movie if anything, the, the films still look really good. Oh, yeah. They look, I mean, the films look amazing. It's They do a really good job. Wait, what studio? Uh, DreamWorks. DreamWorks, yeah. Amazing. amazing. And then this fourth one was actually the first one that was in 3D, too. Yeah, I, I don't care much for the 3D. You know yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then originally they were going to do five films, but I guess Jeffrey Katzenberger, when he saw the story for this fourth one, he said this would be a good ending for Shrek's story. Even though uh, they've done some holiday specials or they've scared Shrekless, uh, Shrek the Halls, and there's a, a donkey Christmas special this past Christmas. Yeah, they gotta milk the franchise. They gotta get every penny worth out of that. You know? <laughs> and then, actually, to go along with that, Puss in Boots, who showed up in Shrek 2 and then has been in every film since then, they did a spin-off film this past year, which was a surprisingly good when I went to go see it that was in 3D as well and was actually nominated for best feature film for an Oscar this past year too and I was actually surprised at how well it was it was made they don't try to milk any of the Shrekness out of it at all other than Puss in Boots is in it 
there's you know, no mention of Shrek at all. You don't like have the film start off with like Shrek and everybody that we know, and then have Puss like, like do his own thing. Yes, yeah, start a story, and then be like, I remember so and so when I was younger, <laughs> and then it yeah. flashbacks to what happens. But I actually liked this a lot. I thought the story was really good, and it it was similar to, similar to Ringo in that part. A lot of it, like at least environment wise, happens in a deserty area. And then you have uh, Puss with Humpty Dumpty, who we've already talked about, uh, go up the beanstalk from the Jack and the Beanstalk story and get the goose with the golden egg. And this whole time, the murderous versions of Jack and Jill are trying to get it as well. So it was def- definitely a lot better than I thought it was going to be, and it was interesting and pretty well written. I'm actually hoping that they do a sequel to it. Nice. Because it leaves it open for more room in between that film and Shrek 2 to see how he gets to where he was by the time we meet him in that movie. Yeah, I think Puss in Boots is the only one I haven't seen out of that series. So I'll have to go uh, refresh myself, check up on it. Yeah, it just came out on Blu-ray, so definitely go check it out. <clears throat> and... Nice. Our last topic that we're going to go over today is with the new release of the the Lorax in theaters, is all ad- animated adaptations of Doctor Seuss. Uh, Doctor Seuss. From f- some of the first ones were way back in the '60s, were the animated television specials, like the one that everybody knows is the How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the animated short, uh, and then they did do animated shorts of Horton Hears a Who. Uh, and then there's the other Horton story, and then they had a Lorax special for that as well, and the Cat in the Hat, and there was a whole bunch of other ones basically covering almost all of Dr. Seuss's stories. Uh, after they did the first few like live-action Dr. Seuss films, and uh, Theodore Geisel's wife didn't like the Cat in the Hat at all, and she didn't like the Mike Myers portrayal <laughs> of the Cat in the Hat, yeah. She didn't. She didn't want any more live action films done. Yeah, that's. Pr- it was pretty terrible. I'm sorry. Yeah, Cat in the Hat was bad. Uh, but after after that, Horton Hears a Who came out and was animated. The first CG animated Doctor Seuss film, and Jim Carrey actually returned to Doctor the Doctor Seuss world, and went from terrorizing the Who's as the Grinch to helping the Who's as Horton the Elephant. Uh, and then yet in that film you had Steve Carell as the mayor of Whoville and Seth Green, yes, not Seth Green, Seth Rogen, and there is Morton. I, I really liked Horton. Here's who a lot too. And then whenever you had Horton, uh, basically having his daydreams, you it went to an anime style, which I liked that a lot in it too. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, Horton. Here's who is probably it was one of my like favorite films um, until Rango came out. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, Horton Hears a Who, like what I do at like my work, we've been making uh, 3D films there, and that is like one of the DVDs that like gets watched over and over in the office. Like it's on everybody's desk. Like we really refer a lot to the style that's done in Horton Hears a Who. So if you ever watch like um, any of the Fisher Price Little People or Imagine Next episodes, we refer a lot of that style back to Horton Hears a Who because it's just it's really a nice, uh, unique just. It's it's actually kind of simp- like a simpler style, which we really like to use. Definitely. 
And and then there's a new film that just came out on what would have been Dr. Seuss's 108th birthday, The Lorax. I haven't got a chance to see it yet, but I know that you have. So I have seen The Lorax, and it is pretty awesome, I think. Um, But the only thing that bothered me about The Lorax, a little bit of a spoiler here, is The Lorax is like the name of the movie. And it's like the whole movie is based around The Lorax, yeah. and there really isn't that much of the Lorax in the movie. <laughs> you see like a little bit of them in the beginning and it's awesome because it's Danny DeVito. So yeah. it's, you know, totally awesome character voice. And uh, you see him a little bit in the beginning and then you see him towards the end, but like the whole, you know, good chunk of the film is it's, he's just not in it. But so, is it just, it's just like a flashback with the Winsler and, and Ted or. Yeah. It's just like the, I mean, the movie starts off with the, the guy, with the guy and, and then he tries to find, you know, impress the girl for, and find like a real tree. And then it's just basically, uh, uh, the Winsler retelling the story of the Lorax and it basically the Lorax is in, uh, you know, uh, within a story, like a story within a story. Yeah. So that's the only time you see him and then you see him, you know, briefly at the end. So <clears throat> but it was really good. It was really like as soon as I saw like the style looking and like image of the film, like it was definitely like my kind of style. There wasn't a lot of uh, like particle effects. It was just you know straight like texture, awesome like non organic textures everywhere. So I li- I like that kind of stuff. Did you see it in in three D? I did not see it in 3D. I'm not a fan of 3D films. <laughs> I think it messes. I swear to God, there's going to come out with a study in the next 10 years, and it's going to be like 3D causes cancer. It really it bothers <laughs> my eyes. I don't like watching it, and it's what I do for a living. And I just I don't know. It's kind of ironic. I don't yeah. like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know, like I know it bothers like some people's eyes. Def- and, yeah, but I <laughs> I definitely want to check out the Lorax because. Oh yeah, I mean, in the awesome. story, the story's awesome. Like, I I really enjoyed the story. It definitely captivated, and uh, it was really cool. All right, well, with talking with about the Lorax, after that, there's actually a new trailer that came out this this week for Tim Burton's animated film Frankenweenie, which he he there is a short live action Frankenweenie on the Nightmare Before Christmas Blu-ray, but he originally did want to make this into an animated film. And the trailer just came out for it, and it looks pretty awesome. Uh, yes. Did you get to see it at all? I did. You posted it on my Facebook, and I watched it, <laughs> and it was cool. It was pretty cool. Like, a little creepy, but it was cool. I liked it. Definitely. And then it, it's going to be a good year for uh, Tim Burton and slash Henry Selleck fanboys, because you have Frank and Weenie coming out, I, I believe, in October, because that would be a good appropriate time. And then the that movie we talked about, recently that Henry Selleck is doing Paranorman. So it's gonna be a good year for Stop Animation. Stop Animotion. Stop, stop an what? <laughs> stop animation because with that stop. and that yes. and then the pirates that's coming out by Hardman. Can't wait for that. Pirates can't wait for that. Definitely. But that is our show for today, Doctor Shrek Miyazaki. And don't forget you can follow us individually on Twitter. I'm at Mark Vibber, M-A-R-C-V-I-B-B-E-R-T. I'm at Questpack, Q-U-E-S-T-P-A-C-T. Or you can follow the show at Animated Podcast. And then again, you can feel free to email us at animationfascinationpodcast at gmail.com. 
or visit our website, animationfascination.wordpress.com. Uh, I'm Mark Vibbert for myself and Matt Quest. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Later, guys.